All financial advice provided on this show is for entertainment and educational purposes only. The financial ideas and strategies discussed are only provided as a starting point for a conversation about money matters. With regard to your particular investments and financial strategies, consult your financial planner, CPA, or investment professional. All your financial decisions are yours and yours alone to make and subsequently are solely your responsibility. The information that is supplied through the context of the radio program and any repurposing of its content by the host or network is a combination and collection of solid financial investment understanding, opinion, and comments. This network, show, and its host are not liable for financial strategies, outcomes that you employ in any manner that result in any kind of loss. Shares of corporate sponsors may be the subject of buy or sell recommendations in Jay Taylor's newsletter in accordance with Jay's objective opinion. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. This hour will help investors fix issues and achieve personal gain. Now, here's your host, Jay Taylor. Welcome to Turning Hard Times into Good Times. I am your host, Jay Taylor. I am talking to you from New York City. This is the seventh day of April, 2020. I uh, would like to remind you that I am the author of a newsletter called Jay Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks, and you can sign up for that newsletter by going to miningstocks.com, miningstocks.com. You can also sign up to be put on our uh, mailing list uh, by going there as well, and uh, you will be informed of uh, upcoming shows and as well as, uh, as, well as other things that, uh, that, your, um, that your host is involved in. Uh, some of the investment uh, ideas that I have, I share uh, with people on this list as well from time to time. In my, lever, in, my, uh, in my newsletter, which goes out every weekend, I cover approximately 60 companies, most of them being exploration companies, because it is successful exploration that uh, those companies that enjoy the greatest upside gains during a gold bull market, those are the companies that discover what is literally the best money God created, gold. And in a gold bull market, the profits gained from these penny stock companies can be enormous. That said, it is also true that the risks inherent in these small cap companies are also greater. You simply can't reap huge gains without taking greater levels of risk. It's just a reality of life. The fact, uh, that fact has recently, I think, been, really been highlighted with the market meltdown related to the enormous economic devastation caused by the coronavirus. When the massive amount of money being pumped into the economy by the Fed and other central bankers of the world is creating a perfect storm for a gold bull market, even the shares of gold producers were taken down hard during uh, this, uh, along with the Dow and the S&P. I fully expect gold shares will outperform most other sectors in the months ahead. True to form, however, we are seeing the gold producers certainly bounce off the bottom first. And so one strategy that I've been suggesting to my readers is to allocate a certain amount of uh, their resources to GDX, that is uh, the ETF that holds the major gold producers. I believe it won't be long, however, uh, before gold reaches new highs, and at that time, or before even, we'll start to see a resurgence of the junior gold companies. But at least in the early stages of a recovery, it's usually the major gold mi- mining companies that uh, those shares rise first. Um, but we, I think we are already starting to see some of the juniors uh, start their next ascent into higher levels. I will, of course, be updating my subscribers each weekend with my thoughts 
about those uh, those and many other related topics, and including uh, individual opinions about the companies that I follow on a regular basis. Right now, what I'm doing is updating each of the companies on my list with respect to COVID-19, the policies that the management teams are are engaged in to try to protect themselves and their uh, and their and their clients, as well as their workers from COVID uh, from COVID-19, and how that's impacting their business models as well. I do want to thank each of you for listening to this show, making it one of the more popular shows in the Voice America Business Channel. And I want to invite each of you to keep your questions and comments, whatever you have to say about this show, send them along to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. And, of course, we do want to thank our sponsors for making this show economically viable. Our sponsors for today's show are in resources, Ely Gold Royalties, Great Bear Resources, Hannon Metals, Irving Resources, Novo Resources, and Sitka Gold Corp. Before I get into uh, before I get to the title of today's show, let me say uh, that I am hugely optimistic regarding all of these sponsors, as well as uh, another sponsor that just dropped off of our list sponsorship this this week, and that is Lion One Metals. I truly believe that company's alkaline gold project has the very real potential to host a multi-million ounce gold deposit, and and that its current price of around ninety four cents in U.S. money will look hugely attractive, will look like a, a tremendous bargain in the not-too-distant future. Of course, remaining optimistic about this company's enormous upside potential, I am continuing to pay close attention to the drill results, which are ongoing as that company continues to operate and drill uh, on its Fiji Island project. You heard from Chris Taylor last week regarding Great Bear Resources. That company's prospects remain as great as ever. It is an amazing discovery that I think will prove to be one of the most significant new gold discoveries in recent years. So that is another story that I'm extremely excited about and report on almost weekly in my newsletter. Irving Resources is yet another story that deserves huge attention for reasons outlined in my letter and also by Quinton Henning in a recent interview that he did on this show. Quinton is very much involved uh, in the geological and the exploration programs engaged in that intriguing uh, and very promising story in Japan. Uh, and speaking of Quentin Henning, I think it is hugely important that you not forget Novo Resources, which remains one of my true favorites. And I think now may be a very good time to buy in part because there is a lot of uninformed talk about Eric Sprott selling shares from his charity account as if Eric Sprott has lost faith in Novo Resources. Well, I can't, certainly can't get inside Eric Sprott's head, wouldn't pretend to do so, to know for sure what he's thinking about Novo. Those who follow Novo closely will realize that Eric continues to work side-by-side with Quinton Henning and Novo Resources. Recently, uh, there have been two spectacular new gold discoveries, which both Sprott and Novo together have purchased shares in. And uh, I know for a fact that Eric and, and Quinton work together on many projects, including some of those uh, related to sponsors in this show. I would strongly suggest that uh, there are, are huge numbers of reasons why a, a very wealthy man like Eric Sprott might sell some shares of Novo as a gift to some charity other than the fact that he has lost confidence in Novo. I just, again, can't get inside Eric, uh, Eric Sprott's head, but I would just suggest that I think to assume that because he sold some shares, that means he no longer has confidence in Novo, would be a huge mistake. Uh, 
For my part, I keep in close contact with Quentin Henning to keep focused on the fundamentals of Noble's projects in Western Australia. And what I can tell you is that there are some very exciting things taking place that I suspect may cause the market to start to forget stories of Eric Sprott's sales very soon. Suffice it to say that I am very excited about recent reports of success in mechanical sorting combined with prospects of at least the potential, as I understand it, of gaining a mill through which concentrates from all around Australia uh, the company's projects, Novo's projects, might be processed. The excitement uh, of Novo has certainly worn off in recent months, certainly from uh, 2017 when the big discoveries were being made, but I believe this story, I believe uh, in the prospects and the upside of this story as much as I ever have. Now, of course, while um, the monetary impact of the coronavirus is having a huge positive impact on the outlook for gold longer term, it is also true that the virus is leading to a decline in many exploration projects and in the reduction of some gold producers, gold production from the gold producers, I should say. And so I must mention... Uh, Quentin Henning, once again, who uh, who's, who has responsibility as CEO for Novo Resources, as well as sharing responsibility for several other companies, including some of our sponsors, Quentin has been analyzing the COVID-19 statistics to give a sense of how uh, how much progress is being made in reducing this horrible disease uh, in different locations, uh, not only in America, but in those other places where he has uh, companies where he's involved with that have responsibilities, such as Irving Resources in Japan, Lion One in the Fiji Islands, and of course uh, in Western Australia, Novo uh, Resources. Irving, uh, Irving's projects uh, are in the north of Japan, and drilling by Canadian drillers is ongoing uh, in, in that location, as I understand it. And we can look forward to more drill results coming from Irving in the not too distant future. Regarding uh, Australia, Quinton stated uh, the following, and I quote, Australia has gone to broad-scale lockdown, and their numbers are diminishing fast, so all is good on that front, end of quote. So I do expect that we will start hearing some good news from Novo Resources very soon. Before I get to today's show, let me pass along some more good news from Quinton Henning regarding the COVID-19 disease uh, in the U.S. Quinton has been tracking on a daily basis the percentage change in new deaths in America from day to day, applying a five-day moving average. He sends me a chart, uh, and, uh, and it is really quite impressive what's taking place. Well, uh, Dr. Henning has been one of the earliest people that I know of in the mining sector to really get worried about COVID-19. He, had, in fact, uh, skipped the PDAC events as well as the Metals Investor Forum that I was hoping that he would go to, but he was one of the first people to say, hey, this is really serious. Uh, let's let's take this seriously and let's really be careful. Um, so he has been tracking this very, very carefully, and there are some very encouraging data that he has provided, um, mostly having to do with, uh, with the uh, decrease, it's day by day, almost every day, declining decrease in the percentage of increases in deaths. So as of yesterday, the current daily increase is a mere 12%. And I say mere because all deaths are are tragic, of course. But I say mere because this is a steady decline from 40% uh, daily increase 11 days ago. 40% daily increase 11 days ago. It's now down to 12%. In addition, the number of people being hospitalized uh, in and around New York City has dropped very, very dramatically. 
Uh, and that is an area of the country where hydroxychloroquine has been applied in a great amount, uh, probably the greatest amount of anywhere. Uh, and um, so a lot of patients have been receiving that, that drug used very effectively by many physicians in the New York City area is seemingly being automatically dismissed simply because people dislike Donald Trump or because there is big money perhaps to be made with other remedies. I'm not saying hydroxychloroquine is the answer, only that there appears to be such non-objective response by people who are supposed to be open-minded, truth-seeking bioscientists. At least that's my opinion. I'm sure many of you might have a different viewpoint. Uh, anyway, one more uh, news item from Dr. Henning that uh, his people in Australia made him aware of, and that is that there are uh, that there are uh, reports in the Australian press that a Chinese government-sponsored company systematically bought up all the protective products they could get their hands on in Australian stores in early February before the COVID-19. Uh, virus hit Australia, and then they shipped 275 containers full of this material back to China. There are reports of the same thing uh, happening in Turkey and Canada. Well, you can read those accounts from the Australian press by clicking on links at miningstocks.com, or you can, uh, by the way, uh, also subscribe to my newsletter, J. Taylor's Gold Energy and Tech Stocks. Well, let me now get to today's show. Turning Hard Times into Good Times is the name of this show. It's also the name of this episode, Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Rick Rule and John Rubino. Rick Rule and John Rubino, um, two people that I've known for quite a while, um, there have been astounding negative economic numbers that are pointing to a greater depression. Initial jobless claims of three, over 3 million last week were totally eclipsed by a sickening 6.7 million uh, this past week. And if that's not gloomy enough, Goldman Sachs predicts a negative GDP of 9% for Q1 and 34% for Q2. For, for really successful investors, however, times like these are seen as times of opportunities. When blood is running in the streets, common traits among those who turn hard times into good times are, are a, real, a reality-based optimism that times will eventually get better. Uh, as all those around them are giving up and in despair. So I can think of few guests uh, that can come onto this show better able to uh, provide some rays of sunlight in a very dark situation than Rick Rule and John Rubino. We do have to go to break now, but when we come back, John Rubino will be with us uh, to give his thoughts about the challenges that we all face going forward throughout the rest of this year. Don't go away. I'll be right back with John Rubino. Noble Resources Corp. trades on the OTCQX under the symbol NSRPF and on the TSX Venture Exchange under the symbol NVO. Its flagship assets are located in the Pilbara region of Western Australia. Novo has recently partnered with Sumitomo Corporation of Japan to evaluate, advance, and develop the company's Australian gold projects. With over $40 million in cash and $60 million committed from Sumitomo, Novo is well on its way to establishing itself as one of the top junior explorers and developers in Australia. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times and Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor. Really pleased to have with me a good friend, John Rubino. Uh, and John is somebody that you should really try to keep in touch with through dollarcollapse.com. Go to dollarcollapse.com. John posts a lot of articles, some of which he writes and a lot of other uh, many times will opine on articles, very sophisticated articles that others write about. Uh, dollarcollapse.com is a very important site for you to go to, uh, especially in times of trouble like these. Thanks for joining me today, John. Hey, Jay. Good to be back. Good to have you with me. Now, you are up in Washington State where there's been a, a serious outbreak of COVID-19. I think some of the earliest cases in, a, in an elderly folks' home. Uh, are you and you and Mrs. Rubino okay? Oh yeah, we're fine. We're we're far enough outside Seattle that it's not an issue yet. Mm-hmm. But uh, even so, we're uh, we're taking a lot of precautions. <laughs> you know, life has changed. Uh, you know, I work online mostly. Sure. So that side of life hasn't changed. Um, but you know, it's it's really hard to imagine what life is like for somebody who who works in the real world. You know, if you were a checkout person at Costco or a highway patrolman or something like that, where you know where you're around people, must be terrifying. So a lot yeah. of people out there are really um, they're either suffering or they're stressed all the time because of yeah. this. Yeah, lots of anxiety for sure, and of course that's uh, we we haven't really seen what's going to happen to the economy as a result of all this, John. I think it's, uh, I mean, we've seen uh, nearly 10 million Americans already that we can count that are looking for help from the government as they filed their unemployment claims in the last two weeks. Uh, I guess uh, in another couple of days, we'll be looking at at, uh, at the next installment. But you know, nearly 10 million people, and then probably the numbers would be higher, except the, the system is bogged down and can't process uh, process more people than that, apparently. And then, then on top of that, Goldman Sachs is talking about a negative GDP of 9% for this quarter, and I think 34%, John, for the second quarter. What do you make of those numbers? Can you get your head around those metrics? Those are astounding numbers for um, for our lifetime. You know, this is Great Depression stuff, really. When I think unemployment went to like 25% at its peak in the 1930s. Um, and you know, it looks like we could exceed that number. So that's is an amazing thing to have happened so quickly. Um, but the, the important thing to understand, though, is that uh, we were always headed for something like this. Like so, mm-hmm. something was going to crack this financial system, which had been set up based on perfection. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you can only borrow this much money, if you assume that everything is going to go like clockwork, going forward, you know, no civil unrest, no big war anywhere, no spike in oil prices, nothing like that, no Mm -hmm. natural disaster. Uh, And, you know, human history says that uh, that's an impossibility. Things happen all the time. And so something was going to happen that, um, that 
took our over-leveraged system and shoved it into reverse. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the pandemic is is a more extreme version of the uh, of most of the possibilities that you and I have discussed so many mm-hmm. times. You know, I was mm-hmm. thinking, well, you know, Deutsche Bank's derivatives book will blow up, or Italy mm-hmm. will go bankrupt, or there will be a Middle Eastern war. You know, things like that that are kind of understandable from a financial standpoint. Mm-hmm. This is a natural disaster. I mean, assuming this isn't a bioweapon that was released. And I think the jury's still out on that. Mm-hmm. But uh, assuming, you know, the coronavirus is something that occurred naturally and got into the system more or less naturally, then we can call it a natural disaster and, um, and be amazed at the speed with which it has taken down this global economy. Because, um, you know, even if you go back to 2008, 2009, which was a brutal change from growth to recession, but it took months and months for the uh, the trouble in the mortgage market to spread to derivatives, to spread to everything else. And this is one month, really. I mean, there, mm-hmm. there were rumblings of the coronavirus before that in February, mm-hmm. but, but really it was just March where everything fell apart. So this mm-hmm. is way faster than uh, than anything I expected. But um, since the system was always going to blow up in some way, mm-hmm. um, where we go from here is probably going to be a- according to the script, which is governments bail out everybody in sight with huge amounts of newly created currency. That s- tsunami of new currency causes the price or the, the value of every individual piece of currency to start to fall, um, which sets off kind of a um, Austrian school of economics crack-up boom, mm-hmm. which leads to a monetary reset. You know, all of that is still kind of in place and still coming. It's mm-hmm. just happening faster than expected. Mm-hmm. So, John, if we, uh, just speculating, because it's hard to measure or to even know for sure, but if we hadn't become a nation that lives beyond our means, uh, not only borrowing from foreigners, but individuals borrowing and going into debt and not having savings, not having enough savings uh, that people, so that people have to live paycheck to paycheck, not having enough to pay the man, the rent, the next month's rent if you lose your job. I mean, that is a case for millions of Americans are in that position, which then means that the government, in order to save the people, has to step up and print even more money, create more money out of nothing to try to paper that over. Suppose that we had uh, stayed on a gold standard in 1971. Well, we weren't on one domestically, but let's say the United States had and the global and the world's economy had. Do you suppose we'd be in this kind of trouble now? Do you suppose it would have been so easy for people to borrow money and to get up to, to their eyeballs in debt and, and not save? Because I'm old enough, John, I'm older than you, to remember a time when people really didn't believe it was right to borrow money. They didn't believe it was right to borrow to go on a vacation, for example, or to, but, you know, but saved first and then did things or bought things. And then when we went off the gold standard in 71, everybody got credit cards and everybody was encouraged and there was marketing efforts to get people to borrow and to live beyond their means and go on that vacation and buy that yacht and buy that uh, expensive car, all that sort of thing happened. So do you think that if, if we had had a more responsible monetary policy from the top down that we would be in the kind of kind of shape that we're in now, you'd have had a virus, but would have it had the immediate economic impact on us that this thing is having now? Well, it it, um, it would have had a serious impact because, you know, it, it's forcing mm-hmm. us to stay home. So it's shut right. down a big part of the economy. But if we were, uh, let me take the extreme 
case, and we mm-hmm. were as a society debt free, mm-hmm. um, we would be in way better shape to weather this thing than we are. You know, a country, economists like to say countries are are different than individuals because right. they can print their own money. That's yeah. not really the case. Countries and individuals are subject to the same financial laws, and if you as an individual are debt free with a lot of money in the bank and your roof leaks or something like that, you fix the roof, you write the check and you go on. But if you are maxed out on a bunch of credit cards and you've got a car loan and you've got a mortgage and you've got student debt uh, and the roof leaks, that might be the thing that pushes you over the cliff financially. You know, that might bankrupt you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and we're a society where, like the second example there, where every conceivable way to over leverage ourselves, we've tried. And, you know, we just have way too much debt. And, and, and every level of every society, you know, the governments, of course, have way more government debt than they ought to, to the extent that they should have any. I, I think you can make the case that governments should be forbidden from borrowing, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but individuals have subprime auto loans and student loans and credit cards and and it just goes on and on and mortgages of course um, so none of us or very few of us are resilient financially and you mentioned that a lot of people um, have no savings so not only do they owe a lot of money but they don't have a penny to throw at a curveball when life throws one at them so um, so yeah um, this is going to be vastly more painful because we've allowed ourselves to get this financially fragile. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's possible that this is the end of this system because, you know, the amount of money that we're going to have to create to get ourselves out of this is probably going to be enough money to destroy the value of our currencies because of oversupply. Um, so it could be that w- what we're watching now is the end of the fractional reserve banking, uh, fiat currency, unlimited government borrowing system mm-hmm. that we've built up since 1971. Mm-hmm. And then the argument becomes, well, what do we put in its place? And I think that's way more interesting than just yeah. railing against the mess that we've made. You know, it would well, be nice to have a conversation where there was a, a, um, a productive outcome as a possibility. All right. Well, let's hear about that. I mean, uh, so a, a collapse um, of the dollar, dollarcollapse.com, I told people they should go there. Uh, your book that you co-authored with James Turk by that name, Collapse of the Dollar, it was, uh, what, what was the name of the book was uh, the dollar, the collapse of the dollar and how to profit from and it. How or to profit from it. Yeah. Right, it was basically right. an investment book with a, right. a thesis that, yeah, currency crisis is coming. Here's how you get rich. <laughs> okay. Now, John, with three minutes left here, uh, for those people who haven't been preparing, hopefully a lot of our listeners have been, because for 10 years I've been talking about this, and my guests like yourself and others have been talking about this. What can people do right now Well, if they haven't you know, prepared? Unfortunately, it's, it's, it's a little late for most people because the system is already kind of imploding. Uh, but to the extent that you can do it, you want to pay off as much debt as possible. You want to shift your finances, especially your investments, away from these fiat currencies that are going to have to be inflated away by governments and into real assets like gold and silver and, um, you know, really well-chosen real estate. Like if you can get a homestead, which is productive land that you can use to feed yourself partially, that would be ideal in in the decade that's coming. Mm -hmm. Um, And to the extent that you still have a job, do what you can to make yourself as indispensable as possible because you've seen already you know what what can happen how quickly jobs can just evaporate and last but not least make yourself 
um, an important part of your community. In other words, get connected because um, you will need help from some kind of a support system at some point in the next decade, almost Mm -hmm. guaranteed. So you Mm -hmm. make yourself available to help other people. Mm -hmm. They will be available to help you. And when, when, really hard times come as they could very easily in, in the next decade. You, you've got people who are there to help. And, and you're also much happier being connected to a, you know, a society instead of being isolated and spending all your life online. You know, it's time to get back to a, an older and much more functional way of living. Well, let's sure hope that this COVID-19 thing disappears pretty quickly so we can become uh, connected again, uh, not just virtually, but in reality. Yep next to each other. And I think your advice is very good, John, that we should even now start to be looking for ways, those of us that are gifted with blessings of wealth or uh, uh, talents, uh, things that we can do, maybe mechanical things some people can do, to start looking around and helping people that are in need right now, because I think that's how you build social capital in a way as well, yeah. to be able to to say, look, I, I, you know, I care about you. You're, you're a fellow human being, and I want to do what I can to help you. Uh, and, and of course, use the skills uh, that God has given you to, to, uh, to help each other. And that's how I think that's that's very good advice, John. Um, so, just uh, with 30 seconds left here, gold shares. I know you're an investor. What are your thoughts? Well, you know, you may have noticed, or your listeners may have noticed, of course you've noticed, that gold is almost unavailable now and silver. You can't just go buy physical gold. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is really good for the future value of those metals, which is really good for the future value of the mining stocks. However, a lot of miners are shut down now because of coronavirus, which is a, a negative. So it's not clear which of those two things um, wins out in the end. Mm-hmm. Um but I still think the really high-quality miners and the best-quality juniors mm-hmm. are great things to own at today's prices over the intermediate term. Yeah, well, I definitely agree with you on that. Of course, I'm, uh, I could be accused of talking my book, I suppose, John. <laughs> hey, uh, me but too. I certainly, uh, I certainly ha- you know, have invested in these things because, as you have uh, seen, the possibility of the, this kind of thing happening, not the coronavirus, but that there would be a black swan of some kind swimming around out there that would cause some sort of an upset of the system. And it certainly seems that we have uh, we have found that black swan, unfortunately. But let's uh, do the best we can for each other, John. And thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. Uh, it's greatly appreciated. Thank you, Jay. Talk to you soon. All right. Thank you, John. Well, uh, folks, we do have to go to commercial break, but don't go away. Rick Rule will be with us. And I don't know of anybody I'd rather have on my show to talk about the possibilities of turning hard times into good times than Rick Rule. So don't go away. We'll be right back with Rick Rule. Great Bear Resources, trading under GBR on the TSX and GTBDF on the OTCQX, is a gold exploration company focused on their 23-kilometer, wholly-owned Dixie project in the prolific Red Lake Mining District of Ontario. Having recently made multiple high-grade gold discoveries, GBR is fully funded to complete a very active 200,000-meter drill program through to the year 2021. Stay up to date on what has been considered one of the best performing exploration stocks in the last two years by visiting greatbearresources.ca. Voice America Business Network. 
the bottom line in business. You're listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with your host, Jay Taylor. If you have a question or comment about today's show, Jay would love to hear from you at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send an email to questionsfortaylor at gmail.com. That's questions, the number four, taylor at gmail.com. Now, back to our program. Welcome back to Turning Hard Times to Good Times. I'm your host, Jay Taylor, and I'm pleased to have Rick Rule with me once again. Rick founded Global Resource Investments in 1993 and is now a director of Sprott, Inc. It's a Toronto-based investment manager currently with about $10.6 billion in assets under management. Rick is also CEO and president of Sprott U.S. Holdings, where he leads a team of skilled earth science and financial professionals uh, who, who enjoy worldwide reputation as uh, resource investors. Rick has been very successful uh, in the past because he is a very smart, independent thinker, and I have observed him as a man who has a very great people person and judge of character uh, capability. It's hard to think of, uh, of anyone with more of the traits and skills uh, that, uh, than Rick has uh, to manage a company of substance like Sprott especially at this time of enormous stress and strain on the global economy and on Americans and, uh, and, and in general, uh, the tough, tough times that we're all facing in one way or another, some having a much tougher time than yours truly, who sits behind a desk and behind a computer most of the time, sequestered in uh, a house with Mrs. Taylor. But in any event, uh, I'm so happy to have Rick with us. Thanks for joining me again, Rick. Jay, it's always a pleasure. I love these visits. It's always good to have you, I must say. You and and, and uh, the missus are okay, I take it? Uh, you know, isolation suits me well, Jay. Uh, <laughs> I'm lucky enough to have a very nice house to sequester in. Uh-huh. Uh, my wife of 30-something years and I still enjoy each other's company. Uh, so, <laughs> well, my pleasure is diminished by an understanding of the hardship that billions of people are going through. Yes, yes. Uh, my personal circumstance, particularly in comparison to everybody else's, mm-hmm. could only be described as sublime. Yeah. Well, I think that I think I per- come pretty close to that as well. I must say, when you look at the people that have to go out there in the population to do their to uh, carry out their jobs and pay their rents, it's uh, yes, we're we're very blessed, Rick. Well, uh, what is Sprott doing now? Um, the, all of Sprott doing now to uh, to cope with this COVID-19 challenge? Well, Jay, S- Sprott was built for this circumstance. Uh, we have a bulletproof uh, anti-fragile balance sheet. Mm-hmm. So the fact that capital is suddenly not available is of no consequence to us because we have plenty. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we existed in industries that for the last 10 years have been very out of favor, natural resources and precious metals in particular. And suddenly, at least with regards to our precious metals franchise, we're the bell of the ball. For the last 10 years, most investors couldn't spell gold, but they're refreshing themselves on the subject very, very rapidly. We've uh, we've gained about a billion dollars in assets under management in the last few years. Uh, While most of our compatriots in financial services have witnessed 
massive outflows and massive declines in their values. So I have to say, um, you, you know, we were sort of built for this through the bear market in resources and precious metals. Sprott invested consistently in building our franchise and in building out our uh, our human capacity. Uh, mm-hmm. While other competitors were in fetal position, <laughs> we were spending between three and a half and four million dollars a year growing our business. So we now manage money on behalf of over 220,000 investors worldwide mm-hmm. uh, in a range of financial products focused on natural resources and particularly on precious metals. So ironically, uh, to sort of paraphrase your own headline, the world's hard time is paradoxically our good time. Mm-hmm. Well, you've been known as a contrary investor, Rick. You've uh, you've built your reputation by buying and seeing opportunities when everybody else is, as you say, curled up in a fetal position. And um, what do you think, I mean, where... Where can we go right now? Where, what should people be doing? I mean, talk to us a little bit about Sprott's, the, the whole Sprott, the Toronto Sprott as well as uh, USA Sprott. What, what are some of the products that you have to offer? I know that you have some gold bullion, silver yeah. bullion ETFs, for example. Can those ETFs now um, tell us about those? Because it, we're hearing stories about the difficulty of people getting their hands on gold and actually being able to take possession of physical gold now. Uh, is Sprott able to do that on behalf of its clients? Yes, we have been buying between 20 and 50 million dollars a day worth of physical bullion. That isn't to say that this is easy to do, but the physical shortage that rep- that uh, that is reported is mostly in retail product. That uh-huh. is mostly to say in very small uh, sort of units. Yeah. Sprott uh, normally buys uh, London Bullion Market Exchange or Chicago Merc- Mercantile Exchange good delivery product, which is most frequently 400-ounce gold bars. Mm-hmm. There have been regional shortages of those products when New York has been short, London has had some, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But we've been able to circumvent those problems so far. Now, there are beginning to be tightness uh, exhibited in those products as well uh-huh. because the three principal mints in the world or refiners, pardon me, that make that stuff as well as the Royal Canadian Mint are currently shut down as a consequence uh, of the coronavirus. We're told that the Royal Canadian Mint will start up in a couple of weeks with limited production, making institutional quality products rather than retail products. Mm -hmm. And we understand that the refiners are also looking to gear up. So it could be that the shortages that you see in the retail physical markets will begin to go away. Ironically, those shortages have inured to our benefit when uh, retail investors went to buy physical precious metals from the dealer communities and saw, for instance, that uh, gold that was maybe $1,650 at spot was $2,200 for physical (laughs) delivery, Uh, people began to turn to the Sprott physical products, which are trusts that trade on the New York Stock Exchange uh, and the 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 incredible premiums that reflected the tightness uh, in uh, physical products are, are much less pronounced uh, at the Sprott level. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, so we have been uh, uh, an odd beneficiary, both of the increase in popularity of uh, gold and silver, but also as a consequence of the fact that many retail people could not satisfy their demand for product in the physical markets and turned instead to us. It's worthy to note that those investors who are U.S. taxpayers may find that owning the Sprott Physical Trusts uh, conveys a tax advantage to them rather than owning either the ETFs like GLD Mm -hmm. uh, or the physical product itself. Mm -hmm. When uh, one sells one's physical gold, if one does, uh, if they sell it for a gain, the physical precious metal itself and the ETFs, which are physical um, sort of substitutes, mm-hmm. uh, are taxed at the collectibles level, uh, while the Sprott trusts are taxed at the capital gains level. Oh, so I if see. you live in a high-tax state like California or New York, mm-hmm. uh, it might give you tax advantages to own the Sprott product, which is something that uh, we think investors certainly have not lost sight of. Mm-hmm. Are these uh, Sprott Trusts, are they for average investors or are they for upper upper income people? Upper. No, they were designed for retail. Well, let me rephrase that. They were really designed for the personal account of Eric Sprott. <laughs> uh, but in the course of doing that, uh, you know, anybody who has a, a Sprott account or a Fidelity account or a Schwab account or an interactive broker's account – uh, can buy these things. They're New York Stock Exchange uh, traded. Mm-hmm. So they're very accessible to small investors, even investors, frankly, who wouldn't want to buy an ounce of gold, but rather, in effect, would like to own half an ounce through the facilities of the New York Stock Exchange. They are extremely investor-friendly. That isn't to say that we don't have 25 and $50 million holders. We do. Mm-hmm. But the truth is that we manage metal on behalf of 220,000 retail investors worldwide. Mm. So, uh, so, so does it pretty much track the price of gold, the, the value of these trusts? Uh, they do. Uh, one of the knocks against trusts is that historically they sold at a discount to the price of the precious metals. Uh-huh. So they haven't tracked accurately. In our case, uh, large investors uh, can redeem their trust units for physical precious metals. Mm-hmm. So whenever the trusts begin to trade at a discount to the price of precious metals, arbitrageurs could short the metal, buy the trust, mm-hmm. surrender the trust units, and then give the metal that they redeemed for to cover the short, which meant that the trusts actually uh, very accurately uh, track the underlying precious metals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They now sell at a very small premium to the precious metals, which we mm-hmm. think reflects the tax advantages accorded to U.S. holders mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. relative to owning the metal itself. Mm-hmm. So you've seen some evidence of this arbitrage activity? Uh, uh, we haven't in in recent times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh but going back sort of two years ago, sure, there was yeah. there was reasonable ar- arbitrage activity in the uh-huh. trusts. Right. And while we didn't like losing assets, uh, we certainly understood that the value proposition was that if the value of the trust didn't reflect the value of the metal, that the metal actually belonged to the unit holder. Uh, and it was their business what they did with it. Uh, you know. Well, and one of the things that investors want to be sure of is that there is actual metal behind 
their holdings and that it isn't just a paper scam. I mean, there's I don't know to what extent this is a reality, but there's certainly fears among certain people in the in the uh, in the markets of the gold investors, gold bugs that are worried that some paper products might not be all that uh, all that straightforward and honest. But it, I think Sprott's products have had that reputation of being very forthright and very uh, very well protected in that regard. Jay, these products were designed for the personal portfolio of Eric Sprott, whose name is on the door. Uh, And Eric wanted these products to reflect reflect the fact that he didn't have much trust, uh, either in government or Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Uh, He didn't want, in particular, to own an ETF where the assets would pinch and swell daily and where some of the assets... uh, might consist of a deposit receipt from a financial institution that would go insolvent. In other words, he didn't want to end up uh, as an unsecured creditor of Deutsche Bank or HSBC. Right, right. So in the case of our products, uh, we can't hold delivery or deposit receipts. We can only hold physical precious metals. Good, okay. Uh, And furthermore, uh, our gold and silver... Uh, are held at the Royal Canadian Mint in a vault, not in third-party storage. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I have the same disregard for government that you do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Royal Canadian Mint is debt-free, uh, is profit-making. We are their largest tenant, and we joke internally that our security is provided by NATO. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, uh, NATO's good for something, that's for sure. All right. <laughs> All right, Rick. Well, uh, you know, as given your reputation as, a, as an investor who sees opportunities when everybody else is overcome by gloom, what about the oil markets? Uh, you, in fact, have, have been known as a, as a very astute investor in energy, oil and gas, and we're seeing, I guess maybe we've seen oil come off the bottom, uh, natural gas also very low priced. Do you see opportunities in, in that area the, in the economy? I do, Jay, but I think you need to look forward a year. Uh-huh. Uh, I think another shoe may be due to fall in the energy markets. Well, mm-hmm. really, frankly, two shoes. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that the price will go lower particularly, mm-hmm. but my fear is that when you see the impact of these commodity prices on the income statements and then the balance sheets mm-hmm. of the public producers, mm-hmm. that while some of the decline has been priced into the equities markets, I'm not sure all of it is. Mm-hmm. A different concern is the fact that the energy business is extremely capital intensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, energy credit. Uh, and for that matter, energy equity has gone from being hyper-available to being unavailable. Mm-hmm. Um, further to that, uh, and the next statement is speculative, Jay, but I've mm-hmm. been told that 15% of the issuance of publicly traded non-investment grade debt in the United States, high yield or junk debt, yep. uh, is energy related. Mm-hmm. And as people become concerned about the ability of the energy companies to service and redeem this debt, mm-hmm. uh, in particular because so much of this debt is held in high-yield ETFs, mm-hmm. a circumstance that saw individual investors sell and redeem the highly liquid ETFs 
might see the managers of those ETFs trying to sell very illiquid assets to fund redemptions, uh, which uh. could have the impact of a run on the bank, mm-hmm. uh, a, a non-traditional bank to be sure. But you're an old banker, Jay. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm sure that your worst fear as a banker was a mismatch between assets and liabilities. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Which is precisely what these ETF managers have. So for myself... Uh, I would tell clients, and I have been telling clients, unless you are a really sophisticated oil and gas investor, Mm -hmm. uh, these are markets to be avoided. Mm -hmm. Uh, I myself am tiptoeing in the markets by trying to buy senior secured revolving credit facilities from Mm -hmm. banks Mm -hmm. who are overexposed to energy Mm -hmm. where the assets that secure the loans are very long lived. Mm -hmm. But this is probably not a game for mortals. Uh, I'm a veteran energy lender, uh, and I know a lot of the borrowers. Uh, The other thing I would say, Jay, is that while I see opportunity really truly across the spectrum in natural resources for the next four or five years, Mm -hmm. I think the action in the next 12 months is in precious metals. I think the policy response that the big thinkers are putting in place as a consequence by big thinkers, as you know, I'm being facetious referring to governments. <laughs> the policy responses that the big thinkers are putting in place as a consequence of an economic slowdown and the virus mm-hmm. are just tailor-made, pardon the pun, <laughs> uh, for precious metals. Uh, quantitative easing is a fancy way of saying counterfeiting. You're debasing the currency. Yeah. One defense is gold. Artificially low interest rates reduce the premium associated with the risk that one receives for lending money to the government. Uh, the big competitor to gold in the last 40 years, I would suggest to you, has been the U.S. 10-year treasury. Sure. The U.S. 10-year Treasury has been characterized by our mutual friend Jim Grant as return-free risk. Yes. (laughs) So the competition that gold has to face from return-free risk is not very stout. The consequence of the fact that I'm still bullish about the outlook for precious metals prices means I need to become increasingly optimistic about the uh, price performance or potential price performance of gold-related equities because the recent strength in gold has not been reflected in the equities markets. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is traditional. Uh, It's happened in every gold rally that I've seen for the last 40 years. Gold moves first because it moves on fear. When the increase in the gold price becomes reflected in the operating margins on the gold producer's income statements and in turn begins to improve the balance sheets then the gold mining companies do well. Uh, and Jay, when I say they do well, uh, I'm, uh, I have a chart which I'm happy to distribute uh, to mm-hmm. your listeners. Yes. Barron's Gold Mining Index chart. It goes back about 50 years. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a technical analyst, as you know. I'm a credit guy. Mm-hmm. But the chart is a useful illustration. There have been eight recoveries from oversold bottoms over the last 45 years. And these recoveries have varied in intensity to the upside between about 180% and 1,200%. Wow. Over times, as short as 13 or 14 months and as long as 42 months. So if past is prologue, and if we are into a gold and later gold equities bull market, which I think we are, 
the upside, the as yet unreflected upside in the gold equities is really extraordinary. I'm not saying that one should go out and sell all of their financial assets and buy gold stocks. What I am trying to say is that almost everybody in the world, including many of our clients and many of your listeners, are ironically underinvested in gold, and they need to address that, and soon. Mm-hmm. Soon, more now than in, uh, than in other times, I would, I would suppose. I mean, you're obviously, for obvious reasons. Well, you and I are credit guys. We're, yeah. we're not economists, but right. you look at a situation where uh, our government in very recent times has talked about $4 trillion in counterfeiting uh, and where there's popular demand for much more. That's much more likely than not to be beneficial for the gold price. Indeed. Uh, Rick, just with about three and a half minutes or so left here, uh, you recently, Sprott recently acquired the Tocqueville Gold Fund. I've uh, been following them for many years. Uh, My friend, I actually worked with Doug Rowe in the the past at uh, ING Bearings for a little while. I have known uh, John Hathaway for a number of years. These are really great people. Um, What are you seeing and what are they seeing in terms of uh, the the virus in terms of the production capacities of the uh, of, of the producers, the gold producers? Right now, about 2.5% of global production in the gold side has been shut in. Oh, and we, uh, we expect this to be uh, at least a two, two-and-a-half-month problem. Uh-huh. Uh, the mills are usually able to continue to produce on skeleton staffs. Uh-huh. Uh, we think that the production decline may continue, although there's no way of knowing. Uh, by the way, uh, Grow and Hathaway are just absolutely superior human beings. I cannot, I couldn't be happier to have them as new partners. We've competed yeah. with John Hathaway for 30 years, and I'll <laughs> tell you, I'd much rather cooperate with him than compete with him. He's a truly superior human being. Yeah, uh, It's just delightful. To, you know, an example of how out of favor gold was was when the Tocqueville mutual funds were sort of disbanded, they couldn't find a taker for the gold franchise. Nobody uh-huh. wanted it. <laughs> um, and for us, it was like, you know, welcoming home the prodigal sons. It was just yeah. wonderful. Indeed. Uh, not really prodigal. Those are pretty good guys. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But prodigal from your old old position, yes. perhaps. Yes, yes. Uh, I understand. Uh, well, they, they've come home, and uh, they're really great people, for sure. I, I've known them for years. And and so I find that um, that's very optimistic. I mean, it seems to me. You said, two, if I heard you right, Rick, 2.5% production decline. Would that be for this quarter, perhaps? Yeah, well, uh, facilities representing 2.5% of world production, total oh, world okay. production, have been okay. shut down. Yeah. Okay, uh, well, that, that, that's… That may expand. Uh, you know, I'm frankly amazed that the deep South African mines are open, but they are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah, I wouldn't… Uh, I don't think I would want to be down there in the in the, in the bowels of the earth with uh, with COVID lingering. In the best circumstances, In Jay. the best circumstances, <laughs> uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> Well, and then I think then, Rick, we should start to see some, uh, probably pretty soon, start to see some of these gold miners reporting uh, their their uh, their earnings, huh? I think that's right. Uh, and if I may, with your permission, offer your listeners a service around that. Absolutely. Um, for Jay Taylor listeners, if you will email me personally, 
The email address is rankings, R-A-N-K-I-N-G-S, at SprottGlobal.com. In the text of the email, put your natural resource portfolios, names and symbols. I will rank those companies 1 to 10, 1 being best, 10 being worst, and comment on those companies where I think that my comments have value. Wow. In addition, I will send you in return email the Barron's uh, 50-year gold mining index oh. chart, which is a wonderful illustration of where these equities are in a historical sense. And I will also email a 100-year commodity chart, which will show the rel- relative valuations of the commodity complex. Oh, that's uh, none tremendous. Of this, none yeah. of this should be interpreted as investment uh, advice because I don't know most of your listeners. This is purely for illustrative purposes. Okay. But if you email me at rankings, names and symbols in the text, I will email you back the company rankings as well as the two charts mentioned. I think this is a wonderful time to begin to pay extraordinary attention, in particular, to your precious metals equities portfolios. Excellent. Thank you so much for that, Rick. It's rankings at SprottGlobal.com. Dot com. Excellent. Yep. Thank you so much for that, Rick. All of, all the best to you. Uh, A pleasure, Jay. Thank you. All righty, folks. Well, that is all the time we have this week. Uh, next week, I'm going to have Ronald Peter, Peter Stoffel with me. He's the managing partner and fund manager of Incrementum, Incrementum AG, uh, and he'll be with us next week. So uh, we look forward to uh, having you aboard then. Until then, goodbye and God's blessings to you. Thank you again for listening to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor. Please join us again next Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Oren Resources is an exploration company defined by its aggressive ambition to find the world's largest mines. Oren has raised over $100 million in this effort and believes it is on to three major discoveries at its projects in Canada and Peru. This year, Oren plans to drill Sombrero, where targets have analogous features to the 10th largest copper mine globally. The company also plans to drill its other substantial base and precious metal opportunities that management believes will be complemented by the strongest bull market in commodities over the last 50 years. Visit AURYNresources.com and subscribe to keep up with the busy year ahead.